April 27th. Tom is here with me, sitting down across the table. How you doing today, Tom? Oh, good. How you doing, John? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to wear shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. Able to go outside in that, not only just inside, but outside. Um, dog's happy. She's still chewing her teeth. Callie's always happy. She's, she's a happy dog. She's pretty happy. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> and then she heard her name. There she goes. Oh, boy. But this is episode 16 of the John and Tom show. Thank you for joining us yet again. We know your time is valuable. We'll try to make this worth your time. Um, so to start off, um, I wanted to follow up a little bit on some of the um, issues we talked about on episode 15. Uh, infrastructure bill is still not voted on, so we can't really, there's not, there's been a little bit of compromise going back and forth. I don't know if compromise, but there's been some discussion on it. Um, so I think by the next time we have an episode, we'll be able to talk more about that. Um, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. Well, it's like you say, it's, it's really a hot potato. I, I, I don't know where this is going. I, I think they'll, you know, they'll eventually come to some kind of agreement. But it's, I think it's going to be a while yet, John. Yeah, uh, I saw today McConnell had put out a tweet about um, accepting some of the things like broadband. I think they're agreeing with that broadband is, but it's only hundred hundred billion with only hundred billion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out of out of two trillion, chump change. It's only five percent or something, right? Um, but um, yeah, we'll see what they agree on. Um, it's probably going to be. I bet it's closer to one point two. Trillion. That'd be my guess. Yeah, probably. Well, but it's something that's really long overdue. Oh yeah. I mean, and yeah. and and people have to realize, and I, I think the Republicans need to get it through their heads that this is a one-time thing. Yeah, at least we're not going to be a generation. Exactly. Once, once a generation, it cr- creates a lot, a ton of jobs. And, yeah. Um, it's it, we need it. So like that's if you're going to put your money towards something, your tax dollars towards something, how could this be a disputed issue? I don't know. I don't get it either. But, I, uh, they got to do. They got to always you know, fight back on something. But yeah. uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on uh, from the last episode was um, the voter ID law. So we did briefly, we didn't, it was more than briefly. We talked about it for a while. Um, the only thing we really focused on was the ID part of uh-huh. the law, but there's more to it than that. There's, there are, so I think in general, we, I still believe and I still feel like, you know, People should have an ID to vote, uh, and that's fine. But that law, the laws also include other <clears throat> issues, uh, such as you know reducing hours to vote or not giving people food and water in line, and yeah. removing ballot boxes, uh, drop off boxes, uh, things like that. They are they are a little fishy. That you know, but I just wanted to po- point out that if you did listen to the last episode, it's it isn't all about the ID. I think that's one of the biggest things. But I, I still believe that. People should have ID to vote. Well, yeah, I agree. Well, it's like I said, I've ever since I started voting in like 1970, uh, you had to, you've always had to have identification when you go to the polls. You know, it's it's just always, at least in Indiana anyway. I right. mean, I know it's it's always been that way, but I think instead of restricting voter access, we should be increasing voter access. Right, but that benefits. Uh, think I think they've done the research, and it benefits Democrats. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why. That, that, thus, the pushback and the, the restrictions from the from the Republicans, right? So it's it makes sense that they would do that, even though it's unethical, and uh, you know, 
They've been doing it for a long time, I think. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> repressing, you know, vote. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to, um, I want to just clarify that I'm not making light of, of voter issues, voter loss. Um, some of them are, it, it's not just one thing. It's more than just the voter ID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, there's a bunch of other things that are a little bit suspect. And, you know, there, there's a reason, a legitimate reason why people are upset about that. Um, okay. So. The next, uh, is, is there anything, uh, we're going to start talking about police in America, yeah. just before we have our guest, Rosie Sender, Dr. Rosie Sender, who is a Canadian born, um, orthopedic surgeon currently lives in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, she's been here, I think eight, eight or nine years. She can tell you more about herself, but she, uh, I wanted to have her on cause we were, we're going to, our main topic today is, um, healthcare. Uh, Canadian healthcare, mm -hmm. uh, single payer healthcare, universal healthcare has many names. Uh, Medicare for all. There's so many different names out there. There's, um, you know, socialized medicine. So we're going to try to, you know, work our way through that <clears throat> and make sense of it because it is it is very confusing. There's a, we we both done a lot of research recently to try to help that, and then we have now we have Rosie, Dr. Rosie Sender to help us with the Canadian, actual Canadian perspective, someone who has lived there and is also a doctor. So uh, hopefully that can help help us uh, get to the bottom of it. Um, and uh, But before we do that, she's gonna be coming on a little bit, maybe half an hour. Uh, Tom and I wanted to talk about police in America. And um, you know, it's a hot topic. I think it's a it's extremely hot topic right now, has been for a long time for a lot of people. Um, Especially with uh, last week's show, Derek Chauvin verdict. Yeah. <sighs> well, I, I, John, I watched the the trial. Uh, you know, because I had it live, uh, and uh, I got to tell you, he got exactly what he deserved. I mean that that was that was horrible. It I seems mean. to be the consensus <clears throat> uh, for most um, people that have um, a, a brain. Um, yeah. But <laughs> there are still, I think, 46% or 50% of, of Republicans or um, is it Republicans that felt like that was the it was the wrong verdict? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Uh, yeah. Went off on it and, you know, to, you know, talked about how this was damaging this is going to be to police and yada, yada, yada. Uh, <clears throat> so, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Republicans think that uh, they should not probably even be prosecuting cops you know right right so um <coughs> yeah I, I think it's pretty clear from the video from the testimony from every, everything that um the, you know what Chauvin did was was obviously wrong um there's there's a lot of intricacies about uh the jury and and the pressure they felt and like uh you know media and I think regardless of all that, it, it, it appears that, that that was the right verdict. Um, uh, but there is there is a little bit of, you know, they were interviewing one of the alternate jurors who was saying that she was influenced. Uh, she said that she didn't want to um, do it. You know, part of the decision making is that she didn't want riots to happen if no. they did the wrong verdict, oh, yeah. which shouldn't be part of the well, decision. But, but. Uh, you know, the thing is, it's up. You know the the jurors have free minds, and no, you're right that that should not have had. It yeah, should have been the facts it shouldn't be a part of, the of it. It's just yeah. be like uh, you know, and it is interesting how quickly they they came up with their decision mm -hmm. um, to all three counts. So, 
uh, I think there's going to be more to this trial over, over time, like that we're going to find out. I'm not going to speculate at this point. I just think, um, I think it was the right verdict based on the, based on the video evidence. Um, and those three other cops are most likely going to be prosecuted as well because they didn't do anything while the guy did what he did. And yeah. if, if that's, if it really was, so it's, it was considered a murder. Mm -hmm. And so three cops are standing by watching a murder. Exactly. So those guys are just as guilty. It's complicity. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they are going to prosecute all three of them together. Yeah. And the trial is set, I think, for August. Yeah. So and, uh, you had an Asian uh, officer. I think one of them is Hispanic and another one's the white guy. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not that that matters, but just throwing it in there. Um so as far as uh, the reaction to this, you know, how do you process in it? And not just that one, you know, there was another incident that happened during the trial. Yes. And another, the next day, the following day, there's just day after day after day, there's these, these incidents that seem to be happening. Um, and then you get one such as the one in Columbus where the girl was attacking the other girl with, with a knife. They called the police, the police came and he took action based on what he thought was appropriate. Yeah. And immediately LeBron James tweets out, you're next with his picture. Um, uh, eventually had to take it down, but it's this knee jerk reaction to blame the police <clears throat> yeah. for everything. Um, and it's, uh, it, I, I mean, I, I kind of get it. It does seem like a broken record and it can be frustrating for people. Um, but you, I mean, we got to slow down a little bit and take each individual instant incident on its own. Um, well, you know, I saw that uh, video of that and uh, of the Ohio incident, uh, and uh, <clears throat> my feelings, just my personal feelings, I'd say that policeman was in a damned if you do and damned if you don't situation. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, she had that knife. It was a big knife right up to that other girl's throat. Right. You know, and so what if, what if he... You know, maybe she would have cut his throat if he didn't kill her. I don't know. Right. But. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they, they called him out there to help. Yeah. And he came out there to help knowing he's probably going to be a you know difficult situation. Oh, yeah. And knowing that there's a lot of pressure on cops right now to do the exact perfect thing in every situation. Yeah. They're, they're almost not even expected to be human. They're supposed to be this perfect being that always makes the right decision. I'm not not forgiving them for all their their bad actions, but there there is an element of truth to that. I mean, they're they're not they're just people. And mm -hmm. you know, another thing is you think about they're you know they need to be trained. Uh, um, they need more money to be trained <coughs> to, to handle these situations, and training costs money. So if you really want the police to act, you know, to to do a better job, you you know you don't take money away. You need to give them more money for training you know it's just sort mm -hmm. of a backwards logic like everybody needs the police we all need the police oh sure there's, there's, you know the idea of abolishing the police is insane and it's uh it's an idea for people that are out to lunch they're they're not they're not dealing in reality well these are probably the same people that buy into QAnon, or, or <laughs> really antifa, Yo, antifa. And, and antifa is even more i would say than that because antifa has to do with um uh, anti-government, oh, yeah. anti-organization, anything organized, yeah. they, they anti-cop, anti, mm -hmm. you know, 
that that was really more QAnons. You know, I think they're different. They're just I don't know what they are. They're they're a true cult. Uh, but, yeah, they're. But right. I, I do think they probably want. They don't have any problems with police though. And there's there's probably a fair amount of police officers who. You know, I don't know what percentage, but maybe our QAnon people, you know, well, maybe 20%. You know, some of, a few of the, uh, fact I remember specifically, one of them was a, from New York, a policeman were arrested and, and they're facing charges now. They, they were participating in it and they were inside, you know, and. Uh, on this January 6th? Yes. Yeah. 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 This, uh. And a lot of them, and surprising too, uh, there were quite a few military, uh, active and non-active, that were in on that. And I, I, I just can't see it, especially military. I mean, they're supposed to, you yeah. know, defend the Constitution and all that stuff, and they're and and here they are disrupting. Yeah, one of the most important constitutional procedures that we have. Well, let's just hope that they were they are a very small minority. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. not sure we're ever going to know how many are in there, but uh, let's just hope that that's the case. And yeah, um, it's QAnon does seem to be more and more of a, a crazy cult. Linwood was out there doing the Q symbol. Did you see that? Oh like the, yeah, that, that, yeah, that was just a weird. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, a very strange um, gathering. I don't know where it was, but I, he kept doing the cue in the air and doing it over and over. I was like, this is just bizarre stuff, man. It's you like know, a, I don't know. I still say Q is a troll in a basement somewhere. Michael Flynn. That is getting a hell of a big kick out of this. Yeah, I maybe. I think it's but, all a practical joke. Yeah. I do. Well. I don't know. I'm not. I've I've moved on from the QAnon uh, fascination. I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sort of moving on. <laughs> but we're uh, but back to the police. Um, I think uh, one of the questions that comes up too is like, why would someone want to be a police officer right now? Like, what what would um, given the the climate in this country and how how difficult it is to be a, an officer? And you know, I I, just, I always think about. Office, police officers, uh, every the sacrifice they're making, their their families, they're they're putting themselves in danger every day. Oh, absolutely! And they, anytime you pull somebody over, you could die. You they know, could shoot you. They could have a gun in their lap and shoot you. You know, and I've seen it happen. I mean, there's been there's been video of it, and um, you know, officer cams and things like that where this this happens. I mean, you don't you just don't know. You can do everything right and still. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it could turn deadly. You don't. Well. I saw, this has been quite a few years ago, that this one cop said there's two situations that cops uh, hate the most, that, that are potentially the most dangerous, traffic stops and domestic violence. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, because domestic violence is the things everybody's out of control. Like, Yeah, well, uh, it's usually somebody's armed. Traffic, or, yeah, armed. And know, in traffic stops, you just don't know <clears throat> yeah. really who you're, who you're dealing with. Yeah, it may and they be. have a lot of they have a lot of ways to hide things and um, but but that is something that people t take for granted or don't realize just <clears> how <throat> how much that is, how much that affects your your life and like as a as a police officer and you know some you know you sign up for it I get it you're signing up to be a police officer you're putting yourself in this in you're you're, you're there to serve and protect your area wherever well, whatever area you're in but. I, I just don't think people realize the danger that they put themselves in. 
and uh, they're they're just ex- they're expected to be perfect. They're expected to do everything. Now, by no means am I saying they're all innocent. By no means am no. I saying they're all you know. There there are some some bad actors out there. You know, it's it's true for any profession. Correct. You know, it's like as a dentist, I know there are some bad actors in de- as as dentists, right. and I know that the, the, the it also holds true for physicians, it's you everything. know, and attorneys. I mean, it's there's always going to be some that slip through the cracks. The problem is with police officers; these guys have life and death. Yeah, they got a gun. They can they have the right to to use the force mm-hmm. in whatever way they see fit. So, but it it's um, yeah. So that that's an issue in itself. It's like, how do you weed out? You know. It's probably impossible. And is there something systematic in the police force that is, uh, well, you don't, you don't rat on your fellow guys, right? Or girls. You don't rat on, on fellow police officers. Yeah. There's There's probably a little bit of that. There's an internal culture code of, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but that, that's got to kind of got to go. Right. I mean, (laughs) can't have that. You get, you see somebody doing something illegal or bad or, you got it. You got to report them, man. Um, but that's a difficult one too, um, because you, you you're you're a unit. You're like together. You're supposed to be supporting each other. But then there's that one guy or girl that's like, boy, I don't know about that one. Yeah. And you're just, <laughs> and you know, they might not be working together that much. So they they're all on their own. They're out there doing their thing. Who knows mm-hmm. what they're doing on their own? Mm-hmm. Now they have body cams, which is I think has helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, accountability. But accountability is kind of the, the big issue here. Accountability yeah, yeah. for police officers, but also accountability for every individual. No, that's true. And how you live your life and what you're doing and when you, how you treat, how you respond to police officers when they are there. They, you know, when you get pulled over, how are you acting? Um, whatever your race, I know it's, I know there are numbers that, you know, and there is definitely proof that, you know, th- there is stereotyping, there's profiling for sure. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. but you know, we all have to, you know, and I guess part of it is that they, you know, a black person gets pulled over and they do everything they're supposed to do and they still get treated like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's when it, you're starting to talk about bad actors. Mm-hmm. Those are bad actors. If, if, you know, and I, I've come across police officers that just had a horrible attitude Oh, I right? you, you, you know, yeah, you all yeah, have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, they love that power. They love mm-hmm. that. You got to do what I say. And it doesn't, and I'm, and I'm a white guy too. I can't imagine like what it could be if it was a racistly, a racist, um, uh, inspired interaction, right? Yeah. Like if somebody's a, I just, I can't even imagine how bad that would be. Um, but I have, been, I have been treated pretty poorly by some police, you know, yeah. for no reason. Yeah. I, no yeah reason. They just, they get this. It's it's attitude. It's an attitude, you know. And yeah. I, and there are more. Unfortunately, there are more Derek uh, yeah. Chauvin's oh, yeah. out there. I think there's a we lot. We just don't know who they are, and we, I just hope it doesn't come to, you know, something like this again. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, and again, I think uh, Derek Chauvin um, seemed a bit like a psychopath. Oh yeah. You know, and in mm-hmm. all in throughout the whole process, the way he he's like checking his watch while he had his knee on him. And it was just nonchalant looking around like, yeah, I got my knee on him. And then during the trial, when even when they read the verdict, he was expressionless. He was like oh, yeah. looking up like 
The guy had no, he didn't even no testify response. on his own. He had yeah. no emotions at all. Yeah. I think he could, it's possible he's a psychopath. So, so there's always going to be some anomalies out there. Um, but hopefully that anomaly is not as rampant as, you know. Oh, I, I, I don't think it's rampant, John, but, I, but you know, it's, it's like I said, the, the main issue with policemen, if you got bad actors, is we go back to life and death. You know, yeah. these, these guys are on the streets with a badge and a gun. And uh, you hope that they're going to have enough discretion or whatever to know when and when not to do use a firearm. Right. Well, you know, um, there's a lot of variables that go on in this. But I guess uh, when you start going back a little further into the whole defund the police movement and it's just it's a little misguided there's there's mm -hmm. just there are a lot of people out there that are still saying um abolish the police uh, defund the police and they're still standing by that yeah, and that's it's like that's crazy that's the wrong angle people yeah. you, you you're we don't we can't live in a in a in a utopian society where there's no police and everything's oh, no. perfect i don't even know what antifa or or some of the ex extreme left wing people are are what is their goal like do you know. think that you want it to just be a free chaotic society where there's no order at all i think to the very extreme it's anarchy it's anarchy and they just yeah. want yeah i mean most i don't know but um i i just know that we need we need the police and we need to go relationships with the police and uh again citizens really have to be accountable for themselves just as much as police officers and i think that's something that it, it goes every in every direction accountability in every direction you know um these these police officers are out there to, to keep us safe right keep yeah. the community safe yeah and there are people out there doing bad things that's not oh, going to stop oh no 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 <laughs> so, definitely not it'd be it'd be nice but no that's never it's gonna not going to stop so so i think one of the things that we can do is um you know try to talk to police officers more in general the community uh individuals you see one talk they're not stop them from being these uh, this other thing like mm -hmm. talk to them and and i would hope that police officers would also want to engage more with the community as well yeah. you know it's that communication when you start talking to your community um what, whatever community you're serving you know just having relationships with them mm -hmm. um that that goes a long way and um well it kind of helps uh show policemen as as humans mm -hmm. you know i i think it's uh people tend to have a a, a totally different uh aspect when it comes to policemen like they're not really one of us but they yeah. are you know they're, they're they're one of us you know it just happens they're policemen yeah i guess when you have so many uh bad experiences with them though you know like, oh yeah uh, bet if you just continue to have bad experiences and the media is showing well personally bad experiences and then you also see it in the media and then you start seeing all this, all this horrible video and horrible things it's like it's hard to it's hard. It, I'm sure it could be hard to to um, uh, want to bridge that gap, but I think that's what it's going to be. And maybe it re it requires a little bit of the policeman to start that dialogue. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Um, well, you know, one thing that is a little bit scary, you know, in in the Dante Wright 
incident where that's the one where the female police officer uh, shot and killed him and said she thought she was drawing her taser. Yeah. Well, what's what was really to me disturbing about that? She had 26 years experience. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. 26 years experience. And so you she just start using a taser She or can't tell the difference between a nine millimeter and a taser. Well, unfortunately they do. I don't know why they made the taser look and feel like a gun. Cause it, it is, it has a, it has a, Oh, you just got a trigger and, and a trigger oh, sure. oh, and it, yeah, yeah. it kind of does. It's mm-hmm. just a different color. It probably has a different weight and everything, but why can't they just make it like a but like a baton or something totally different? But but still, you don't hear about that happening very much. No, and that's just like what ha- what happened with her. You yeah, know, like, I, I don't know, man. But but maybe like she I just said, panicked and she just you know. But. Well, it's not like she was alone. See, that's the other thing. There were like three or four other officers there. Yeah, you know. So so she's not facing this guy alone. He's not armed. You know, he's not a threat. Uh, I mean, I could see where if she tasering that. that would have been okay, you know, uh, but the fact that she's got that many years experience and she, and pulled a screw up like that, that's, that's bad. Very bad. Pretty bad. Well, yeah. What else? Anything else on the police? I, I could probably go on for a while, but we're got, we got Rosie coming on here. Um, I don't know. I think the biggest thing for me is just trying to, trying to, you know, communicate more with them. I don't know what else to do to solve this problem. I mean, yeah, I think we have to probably train better. Uh, I, I, I also know that police officers are quitting and retiring in droves. Just in 2020, it was rampant. And now with the Chauvin verdict, I think they're even, they're going to go even further. So like, it, and there's shortages of cops right now in like Baltimore and New York City. There's shortages, oh, badly, like yes. bad shortages yeah. of cops, yeah. and they're going to continue to uh, to retire and leave because they're like, this isn't worth it. Yeah, no, they're sure I, not doing I, it. They're I sure could, not doing it for the money. I could go to know? jail if somebody yeah. videos me and it yeah. looks a certain way. Even you know, I'm not defending Derek Chauvin by any means, but no. but like you could go to jail for ten years. Uh, trying to do your job, maybe you made a mistake or something. Um, mm-hmm. Even if your intentions are good, there's a potential that you could go to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that didn't really happen. That never really was a thing before. It seems like. Well, see, I can't understand how Derek Chauvin was still a police officer when this came down because he had 17 complaints of use use of excessive force against him and in every one of them it involved him going for somebody's neck wow now he should have been he probably should have been fired a long time ago right you know because that's uh that's a that's a big point and i hadn't really heard that before i'm not sure if the media hears that either um, but that is a, that's a big point is what, where's the uh, oversight of police? Exactly. Right? Who is monitoring that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a committee? Is there like, and every police force is local, right? It's all by city. Oh yeah. Precinct absolutely. Or, oh yeah. So that oversight, it's gotta be hugely important. So that also costs money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Um, so the, the one thing we don't want to do is defund the police, I think. Oh, I agree. We don't uh, want to defund the police, and who, abolishing the police is just complete insanity. Um, so I think that that whole defund the police, 
uh, movement needs to just be gone and, yeah. and talk, think about it in a different way. Um, fund the police. Well, <laughs> I see fund the, the police and train, train the police Yeah, and, and, uh, vet the police and, um, hold them accountable and, uh, make them part of the community more. That's what, I mean, mm. it's a long stint. You can't say that in the slogan, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but the, that's what I think what needs to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, well, uh, police forces are absolutely necessary. I mean, there is no way we could eliminate what I mean, just, just think what it would be yeah. without police. It's hard. To, also another, another point is it's hard to root out racism. You can't root out. No, you can't really do it mm. in a poli- in police force. You can't, uh, I don't think you can. Um, you know, how do you how do you do that? It starts getting really complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unless somebody's just obviously over the top, and there probably are some people that are that still are police officers that everybody knows that they should be gone. Maybe they've been there twenty five years and they're still doing things that everyone knows is are wrong, but well, they're still there. In that, in that case, you know, I think it goes back to the old brotherhood of silence you know right. that's uh you know that's my I, I but but again you see that in all professions i've seen it happen in my profession right. i know that you just don't want to get involved it's all you know? bad all, all types of racism are bad mm-hmm. um but when it comes to you know somebody being able to kill you legally that's true that's another level <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big point right there. Is is they as I, I said they they hold the power of life and death right. in their hands, and uh, you hope that they use it properly. Yep, but that's not always the case. Yep. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna uh, get Dr. Rosie Sender on to talk about Canadian healthcare. You and I both have done a lot of research on this. Uh, Canadian socialized medicine, and this runs counter to a lot of the rumors I've heard here about socialized medicine. Yeah, I would say there's a, a ton of information out there, and some of it is conflicting, and it can be a mm-hmm. little difficult to to find out what's really going on. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to have uh, Dr. Sender on to help us with somebody that actually lived in Canada and is a doctor and can shed some light on some of this, give her her opinion. She hasn't lived there in a while, so it may, may have changed. I, um, I've done quite a bit of research on this just recently, but I still feel like I'm a little bit in the dark, <laughs> you know, um, even though I've, I've done all that. Um, yeah, and the Republicans for many years now um, have had... Uh, a lot of negative things to say about yeah. about Canada. Healthcare. You know, one one thing I hear him say, and this this drives me nuts, is that socialism will lead to communism. Oh yeah, well that's you know that's <laughs> that that that's just that's insane. Right? Yeah, communism is you know in its in the form of of like reality on this planet has almost always turned into a fascism. It's, it, or it more fascism. Has. It's not, you know, it, you look at the actual meaning of communism and socialism, and the, you know, it's not. There is no. There's been never been a communist, uh, true communist government. No, but no, no, not at all. 
not it always not turns even into close. A, a more fascist. But yeah, they they know that those words are uh, inflammatory, and they know that mm-hmm. gets people's attention, and they can yeah. get votes from saying things like that. I don't. I mean, do they really believe that we're going to become communist? Um, well, from, I think from there, social, there are I mean, those out there who do believe that. I unfortunately. Well, I guess before before she comes on, I, I can say maybe a few things that I learned. Um, you look at what a uh, what Canada actually is, what type of healthcare it actually is, what what American healthcare actually is. American healthcare is forty nine percent public. Forty nine percent. Yeah, of, wouldn't of, surprise of, me. Of healthcare is public. You got Medicare and the VA. Those are huge <clears> chunk <throat> of total medic, total medical costs in, mm-hmm. in America, and uh, so we're forty nine percent. Yeah, in uh, that already. Sure. Right, and and Canada's only seventy percent of total medical costs is public. The rest is you know because what things are not covered. Uh, are things like dental or ambulance ambulance rides, yeah, long term care, yeah, uh, prescription drugs outside the hospital are not covered by insurance. They're low yeah. cost, mm-hmm. but they're not covered. Yeah, that's vision, wh- and and those things are you know two thirds of Canadian citizens have private supplemental insurance. Yes, absolutely. So. They are they are not the model of quote unquote socialized medicine. They're at seventy percent, and we are at forty nine. So, yeah. <laughs> that much different. But uh, you know, a system like United Kingdom is no, that's totally different. Is uh, they the government runs the hospitals? They run the entire healthcare system. They pay the doctors directly. Yes, in Canada, they're uh, they're not paid. Uh, the doctors are not paid by the government. They're paid by the hospital or whatever, but then they are reimbursed by the government. Yeah. They're they're The doctors in Canada, uh, contrary to popular belief are not government employees. They're right. self-employed. They're just like they are here. Yeah. It's just the pay, uh, the pay is different, you know, but, but the pay is different. Uh, I think you're not allowed to get, um, you're not allowed to get private insurance for, for, uh, for, uh, procedures or care that is, would be normally covered by universal Canadian government sponsored healthcare. You're not allowed to get private insurance for, for that. You can yeah. only, you can only, you have to use for, for normal standard care. You have to use, uh, the, um, government, government sponsored yeah, healthcare. Yeah. You okay. can't get private insurance to cover that. Well, it's like, you know, if you're going to have cosmetic surgery, I doubt the government's going to, is going to cover that. Right. You know, uh, but they're, uh, yeah, see, well, this is one. One thing, Canada has 15 different healthcare systems. Okay. And it varies from province and territory. It, it varies according to province and territory. So, uh, 
<clears throat> but it's all paid for by yes. Canadian federal yes. government. Yeah, it's just it's it's just administered in different ways, and they have you know different rules. Uh, so, but but it, it actually it's almost like uh, Medicaid. Okay, uh, the 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 U.S. government pays for Medicaid, but the state of Indiana administers it. Mm-hmm. And they decide what they'll cover and not cover. Rosie, are you there? Hi, hi. John. Yeah, hi, I'm here. You're hi, in the John. car. How are you doing? <laughs> hi. Hi. Um, hi. Hi. Sorry. Yeah, Good I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a, it was a, one of those crazy mornings, you know, being a surgeon and things happened. And I'm sorry, I'm a little late. <laughs> oh, no, that's no problem. No problem at all. You're in the car. Uh, Glad you could join us. We were just yeah. in the middle of our little discussion here. Yeah. I know Rosie through my wife, um, and we used to live in California. So uh, they, Rosie and my wife were friends. So yeah, yeah, we used to work at the same um, all, uh, same uh, practice, and then became good friends, and uh, yeah, have maintained that. So and uh, um, we do a little podcast together too. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, they do. It's, it's called really Medical fun. Matrix. Medical yeah. Matrix. Had to put the, pl- I had to do the plug, you know. <laughs> Please download and subscribe. <laughs> it's about medicine and technology. That's kind of the, that's the the gist of it. But I think they go in other directions as well. So Rosie, we were we were just uh, talking about the police uh, in America, yeah. but we were moving yeah. on to healthcare. So <laughs> we figured we'd. Uh, you didn't need to get involved with the police talk, oh, yes. so uh, we'll just we'll, we'll go right into okay. healthcare. Yeah. We were just uh, kind of updating, um, uh, just talking a little bit about um, how how uh, politically it, it gets. You know, Republicans in general have have been disparaging Canadian healthcare for a long time, and they're calling it socialized medicine. Everything, anything socialist is is very very bad, right? Yes, and, according to the Republicans and. Um, so both Tom and I have done a fair amount of research in the last week trying to understand this very complicated issue. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know how, I mean, you're Canadian, or born, Canadian born, still Canadian, right? Still, yeah, still Canadian, still Canadian, but uh, I guess I'm, I'm here. Yeah. And I guess I'm considered an expatriate. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know if that's the term. How long you been here? Since 2013, um, consecutively, but I did live here from 2011 to 2012. Uh, when that's when I did my hand surgery fellowship, and uh, I, before that, I had never considered living in the states. I, I always assumed I was going to be practicing in Canada, um, but you know, multiple factors uh, came into play after I did my fellowship and it was a no brainer to live uh, in California and start working here. So was it a shocker? uh, The difference in America versus Canada when you came? Well, some things were shockers and some things weren't right. So in terms of the, you know, now I, as a surgeon, um, what I would say is that the education is 
the same. There really is no difference, right? So um, I was very well prepared when I came here. Um, and uh, we basically, I think North America, like well, Canada and the U.S. essentially have the same body of literature that we use uh, to study from. And, uh, and even our exams are very similar, you know, so there was really no difference in training. So I, there was no, uh, there was nothing new when I came down here. I had no problems in terms of uh, like uh, in terms of the actual orthopedic surgery right. and, and, you know, in terms of procedures, in terms of seeing patients, none of that, that was all the same. What was different though, was how quick you could get some of these procedures or, you know, so I, one of the funniest things was the first week yeah. that I was in my fellowship, um, a patient, we had to send a patient for an MRI and uh and the patient was asking me um dr sender uh do you think i can get the mri you know uh today or tomorrow and in my mind i'm like looking at her like what are you talking about it takes like such a long time to get an mri like i i was just i was just really shocked that she expected it so quickly and then i was Mm. like well let me check and see if we can get the schedule for you as soon as possible but you know i you know i was just sort of trying to downplay that we could get it done today and i went to my staff he's like oh sure like we could probably get it like and i was just like that was the first time i was sort of like oh whoa that's different you know um because in canada like it, yeah, you're, it, it takes longer to get some of these procedures, but the difference is if it's an emergency, it takes no time at all. Like it's triaged appropriately, right? So if somebody had um, concerns for like some sort of malignancy or cancer or whatever, you would get triaged really quickly and you would bump somebody you know, who had maybe something that wasn't uh, necessarily life or limb threatening or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. You um, just, that, yeah. that, that was a, that was a big difference. And the other difference was actually, you know, elect some elective surgeries were all, also scheduled much. Quicker. Yeah. I was, I've been looking into some of that. <laughs> so, There's a lot of um, info out there. I, yeah. I, I saw somebody said the average time for an MRI is 11 weeks. Yeah, the average yeah. Um, eleven that, weeks that, to get an MRI, uh, neurosurgery thirty three weeks. Um, uh, yeah. in, in general, from time of um, time of seeing a, a physician to getting a referral to actually the procedure, it's twenty two weeks on average. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's right. but yeah, right. a lot, and that's all basically elective surgery though, right? Because if it's emergency, they'll most oh, likely active. do it as needed. ASAP, as ASAP. ASAP. You're yeah. You're again. It's the you're you're triaged and if it's an emergency you will bump somebody who might have an elective procedure and then like as i can just tell you how our um so when i was doing my residency training you know and within the realm of orthopedics what's an emergency is like you know acute fractures right right? and so what we did is we just had like this like list of cases that we would just have to keep working through until we were done right and that list was never ending but like you know if, if something came up that was a more emergent um, uh, fracture case than another, then we would have to do that one quicker, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or like it would just sort of go up the line. But we still got through everything very, very well. We just had a really well-oiled machine, right? It would just keep running. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then and within the other specialties as well, like I, I, you know, everything that was that needed immediate attention got the immediate attention, right? And you know, and 
and I'll say this, I mean, part of this was like, I was always at big academic centers too. Mm -hmm. So that makes a little bit of a difference, right. In terms of, um, um, uh, acute management of care, mm-hmm. that's for sure. So how long, uh, Rosie, how long does it, does it take to get in to see a practitioner? Well, so that's another challenging thing. I mean, to see your GP, uh, could be fairly, um, you know, within a week or two, or, you know, it just depends on where you're at. Right. And and for the last few years, it's been a shortage of GPs actually. So the, the, the GPs that are still practicing are actually overwhelmed. So, you know, it might've even changed in the last few years where it's taking a little bit longer to see somebody now. And and the, and the GPs are the gatekeepers to all the other subspecialists, right. right? To see like, to see an orthopedic surgeon, uh, to see a general surgeon, you know, unless you're going through the ER, but if you're, if you're going to see somebody electively, you have to go through your GP. Your GP has to do an assessment and see right. whether you need to go see right. the orthopedic yeah. surgeon or you need to go see the general surgeon. And then from there, it's a few weeks to see the specialist. So there is a little bit more of a wait, but again, if you have red flag some signs and symptoms I guess on your the question visit, is, it's all moving The question quickly. is, who, yeah. uh, how is that determination made? And is it, do you feel like that determination of whether something is emergent is, uh, is, is, um, good? Is it, is it a good system? Yeah. I think it's a good system. So, well, so this is what I would say. It's, it, that's an interesting question because I think I was very accepting of that. I was very accepting of that view. Uh, when I lived there, conditioned. <laughs> that was all I You're knew. Conditioned, right? um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was conditioned, right? I was conditioned that way. And it was, and it was fine. Like I, you know, but the thing is, I mean, it really is, um, based on, you know, your GP, like how well your, you know, um, how well they do their history, physical examination and, and, and how well they listen to, you know, there's a lot of parameters that go into it. And that just comes down to how good uh, your GP is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so they can, uh, so again, if some red flag signs or symptoms come in, uh, for sure, then they can, you know, uh, they'll send you quickly to the uh, specialist. Now, if your GP, you know, perhaps may not know what a red flag, <laughs> a red flag is for a particular condition, and it may take a little bit longer to get there, right? Um, and so seeing a subspecialist maybe from the get-go might be a little bit more helpful because, of course, they know their area a little bit better, Right. Is the schooling is the schooling at all uh, regulated by the government? Yeah, they have to meet certain standards of uh, uh, they have they have accreditation, right? And they have to meet all those factors. And it's like pretty much standardized all across Canada that this is what is expected of each one of your um, students, of your graduates. These are the skills they should have. This is what they need to be learning. And then and then our or the so so you have to meet all so the schools have to meet all those requirements if they don't meet those requirements they lose their ability to be like teaching, is that similar uh, in america too right? is that so, similar in america they don't no. have any government requirements no. <clears throat> 
I, I don't like this is the thing. I think you could go to uh, you could go to very different medical schools and you'll not necessarily get the same yeah. level of training. Whereas you could come out of I, I will say this, you could come out of any Canadian medical school, any Canadian uh, program, subspecialty program, and your education is going to be a so good the, education. So basically to like, summarize, you, the doctors are good. In, in the doctors Canada. are really in, uh, yeah. coming out Not, of there. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I'll tell uh, one other thing I will say, just that, uh, so when I was doing my um, fellowship interviews, so I was like at Mayo Clinic, you know, NYU, Stanford, like Harvard, all these places. The thing that was my, uh, that was of, uh, you know, benefit to me was that I was Canadian trained. They all love mm. it. They love that we're from Canada because they they trust the Canadian training. They trust the level of education we have and our skill set. And like, I remember one of them was saying that like, oh, at least we don't have to worry about you and operating. You guys already hmm. know how to do all that. Interesting. So, by the time you come here, and, and you know. So. One, of, one of the things that <clears throat> they claim is that there's a doctor shortage in Canada. Is that, hmm. do you see that to yep. be true? And why That's is that? True. That is true. Um, so, I mean, part of it is also like, for example, and I, General practitioners is a little bit different. They can open up their own practices, right? But if you're a subspecialist, like a, if you're especially, especially as a surgeon, and I will talk from a surgeon's perspective, you cannot open up your own practice really, right? Like I, you know, here in, in the States, I can do that. I could open up my own practice technically. And, but in Canada, you can't do that. You have to be hired by a hospital. Now the hospital gets a certain amount of funding each year to operate. And it's a budget, right? right? And so and it has to fit into there's a, a budget. budget. Yeah. You have to fit into that budget. So that means that you can't necessarily hire, um, even if the, the need is there, you may not be able to actually hire more surgeons to meet that yeah. need, right? So and so the so the people who are actually working are they work all like I remember like you know, my training and residency and it, long hours, everybody's busy. I don't know of any doctor there that is not busy, right? That is uh, actually practicing. And your income is capped. You can't have any ancillary income. No, not, right? not really. A, if you're in a private practice in America, you there's all these different types of practices out there that have, that are other ways to make additional yeah. income, but you just can't do that. Yeah. In so, Canada, so Rosie, you don't have an office per se. Your office is your office is you, you don't have a uh, office per se. Your office is the hospital. Essentially, right? you see your patients yeah. there, and, and that's again for you see your patients yeah, there. And, and, and I just want to clarify that's a, a, that's for surgeons, right? You know, it's a little bit different when you get into like general practice you have your own office you have like that's a that's a oh, different yeah. that's a different thing you know and 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 some other and plastic surgeons are are able to kind of get out of that because the cosmetic thing is its own thing right so they're not regulated in the same way so they yeah. can have their own practices mm -hmm. and and uh yeah so it's set up a little bit differently so that's one of the issues is is um doctor's satisfaction all right do a lot of them come to america um I, 
You know? There's a there's a fair number that I know that have come to America, like uh, some contemporaries, like when I was in residency, right? But for the most part, people stay there. I like there, the, but the thing that they're always concerned about is like the brain drain, right? Like losing their doctors right. to the U.S. It's right. never looked upon right. very well if you leave Canada right. and then you come work in the U.S. Like I I know traitor. there's there are certain people You're who would, exactly I certain people would say that about me, and you know I might have said that too. <laughs> Like back in the yeah. day, because like I said, I never anticipated that I would come. Um, but we, but this is what was happening around the time that I would uh, that I came out of residency. Is again because there's a cap on the number of positions um, that are available. Uh, there wasn't a cap necessarily on training individuals, so there were actually more trainees and more people graduating than there were jobs available for them. So mm-hmm. even during the year that I was uh, coming out, there weren't that many jobs, right? And mm. people, if in Canada, you'll see surgeons having multiple fellowships, right? I mean, and everybody, like when I come down here, people are like, oh, why do you have like two fellowships? I'm like, oh, that's not uh, that's not unusual for Canada because sometimes you want to have something to do, something to put on your resume while you wait for a job yeah. opening somewhere. And, and then for me, I decided not to even go through that because, you know, once I finished my fellowship here, I was starting to get job offers. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. um, I could go back to Canada to some uncertainty or yeah. I just uh, come work here and live in California. So. I think that was a good choice. <laughs> it's a not good a bad choice. place to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to uh, kind of go over a couple of these um, points that they sure. make and just to... Mm-hmm just to get your thoughts on them. You don't have to elaborate too sure. much on them, but sure. um, these are just some of the things I saw in, in like news sources like Newsmax and Fox and things where, they, <laughs> yeah. where they're yeah, trying the, to. Yeah. The, the, the truth of our, yeah. of our height. Well, they're, they're, they're making these claims and, and people right. are taking this information as being true. And, yeah. um, and, but I'm, I just want to double check. That's all. Uh, so they claim cuts, uh, like part of the Canadian healthcare system is, uh, there's just a lot of cuts to medical fees, shortages of equipment and space. Bureaucratic oversights have driven docs away, doctors mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. That may be true. Uh, socialism dries up the supply of medical care and forces rationing of resources. So that's kind of a big one that comes up a lot. Rationing of resources. I think you were touching on that earlier. It's where, triaging or you're kind of prioritizing certain things yeah and uh but rationing they say that they use that a lot yeah when they talk about it rationing and then sometimes I, like yeah and that's that's a hard one because you know it's almost like is it rationing or is it just that your expectation to get a procedure or what you want quicker uh, is, is, is that really the issue, right? That it, it can't be as soon as you want it. Like, I would say this, like, you know, you'll still get the care, you'll still get what you need. And if it's more emergent, that will happen quicker than somebody who is an emergent. Right. But it's not that people don't get seen or don't get really good care. Yeah. Once, once, they, once Maybe they get that's to- the question is there, there's a people slipping through the cracks during that period of like, if the, if, if the GP doesn't assess it properly yeah. and somebody does need it, yeah. It, there probably are quite a few gray area cases out there that sure. maybe yeah. people did, oh, yeah. may, maybe people did get a, a worse outcome because they had to wait. Yeah. You know, that, that could be a legitimate thing, but I just don't know how rampant it is. You yeah. Know? So if you have, uh, uh, excuse me, if, if you have, for example, uh, a patient needs a, a, a knee replacement. Mm-hmm. Okay. There that's, is that considered, that's, that's a non-emergent uh, yeah, situation, right? 
It's a non-emergent situation. It's not life or limb threatening. Um, and based on the province that you're in, that's going to determine your wait times, right? So the provinces yeah, kind of yeah. handle their own uh, sort of like the, the the allocation of resources to the hospital and, and the funding, right? So, you know, an important I, point. it's an important point. So like, so in Ontario, so I can say, you know, in Ontario where I, now I, I did a lot of my training in BC, and really well funded in BC, like, and so they're really never, you never seem to be waiting that long for things and, and procedures, but, you know, in Ontario, while I was doing my residency, again, it's a well-funded province, but certain programs are a little bit more, uh, are funded a little bit better than others, right? So the wait times kind of reflected that. So for example, for a total knee replacement, I remember in the first year, you would be waiting about six months to see the orthopedic surgeon. That's just to see the orthopedic surgeon, right? That was kind of wow, like wow. Three, three, to six, three to six months, depending on who it is. Then from there, probably like another month or two before you have your surgery, right? Now the, um, but you know, sometimes a certain area gets funded a little bit better. So then what happens is the wait time actually decreases a little bit and there's more resources put into like, say for the joint program. So then you can maybe, you know, hire somebody, you can hire another a few people, then you can kind of work through your list a little bit quicker, you know, like things like that can happen. Right. So, but, you know, again, I think what happens though, is people, there's an acceptance of it uh, because again, if it's not like, like life threatening, it's, there's an acceptance to it because, you know, your, your healthcare is still um, in large part, not going to bankrupt you. You know what I mean? So there's right, an accept right. there's an acceptance yes. of things there because people are proud of the people are proud of the healthcare in general there because you know you're not going to lose your house if you well, uh, well, think about this like you know, that, like yeah. Ameri in America the number one <clears throat> reason that people go bankrupt is healthcare. Healthcare. And yeah. in 20, as of 2019, the number one reason why people go bankrupt is healthcare. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. And that's, well, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, from the research that I did, uh, Rosie, it mm -hmm. says that there really are 15 different healthcare systems in Canada right. because each province and territory handles their own healthcare. Right. Well, that's really no different than it is here. Right. With Medicare and Medicaid, mm -hmm. you'll go to two different places and you'll get two yeah, different coverages. states instead of provinces. Yeah, so, so while the money comes from the Fed, the yeah. state actually does the administration. Right. And I also found out that that uh, this whole Canadian healthcare system kind of started in 1944 in Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? I actually, <laughs> I actually did know that. <laughs> but, that's, uh, but, but it didn't, it didn't get it really in, insti uh, what did it call it? Instituted. Instituted uh, until 1984. So 40 years later. Right. So it was Saskatchewan and then there were some protests in 1962. They didn't want it. Yeah. So it was a long process. And then right. they've only really had nationwide, uh, you know, whatever you would call this. Mm -hmm. You can, I mean, there's many names, but as yeah. we're saying, it's, it's not as straightforward as people think. It's yeah. not, it's not technically socialized medicine. No, it's, it's not. not technically socialized medicine. Yeah. I mean, parts of it are. But parts of it are. Yeah. Parts of it are. But yeah. just like in America, America's 49%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah. public. Yeah. Medicare, VA. Yeah. <clears throat> Medicaid. Um, Medicaid. Yeah. yeah. It's already 49%. So we're only, what, 20%? Because Canada's 70% public. Yeah. The rest of it is is private. <clears throat> yeah. But, um, which is amazing. People don't think about that. They just throw out the term socialized medicine. Really, the only true... I think there's one other one is uh, Taiwan is 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 truly 100 percent is truly 100 percent but 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 the UK is government funded everything government yeah. handles everything yeah. in the UK but yeah. Canada's not like that and 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 you know you, you people t- throw these terms around you know Bernie Sanders starts talking about Medicare for all that's a whole other thing getting yeah. into the numbers of all that yeah. and but but you know and and trying to make it modeled after certain countries or certain systems. Um, there is no perfect healthcare system, right? Oh, no, I mean, there, there isn't. I mean, and, and, you know, this is the thing. I think people, I would say this is with Canada, people uh, accept for the most part the, the longer wait times because they also know that, you know, it's still heavily subsidized. Like, it, you know, your taxes are going towards this for sure, right? Mm-hmm, um, yeah, but again, yeah. if you need, if you actually need it, you're not going to be bankrupted. You're not like, right. you literally can still have a good quality of life, you know, even if you have issues or health problems right. that need to be taken well, the care funny of. Part, the know? funny part too oh. is, is that uh, it's actually you're paying less in yeah. Canada. Oh, yes. For, 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 you're yeah. only paying like, I think the average person in increase in taxes that their, their increase in taxes is like $6,600 versus yeah. what a, what an, at what per person in America pays is about close to 10,000. The average. 100%. So you're already paying significantly more here. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you are getting, you are getting, we are getting like, like we are more innovative for sure. Mm-hmm. We don't have the long wait lines. Mm-hmm. Although you, there are sometimes I, in my experience, trying to find a general practitioner, uh, trying to like then get a schedule, get it on the schedule can be a month or two. Yeah. I've, I've had that. Um, there are some delays in certain, t- but it's, it's also state by state. Right. And yeah. And, yeah. Um, so it's not perfect, but, but it is faster. You can, you can get things done quicker. There's more options, right? You got, there's a lot of private, um, there, well, there. There is. I don't know if this, if, th- if this has anything to do with socialized medicine, but I know that, uh, prescriptions are much cheaper in Canada than they are in the U.S. Yep. In fact, they'll, what happens here, a lot of times these older people, like in these retirement areas, will get on a bus, mm-hmm. <laughs> go across the border to Canada to get their prescriptions mm-hmm. filled. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's one thing that's really out of hand here. I mean, my gosh. Uh, I, one other thing, too, is uh, I heard somewhere, I read somewhere, that um, uh, Canada only has... Um, access to about 50% of the prescription drugs that we have here in America. There's so many that because they're so expensive, mm-hmm. nobody will buy them. You can only get them in America. You can only purchase them in America because there's, there's, it's so expensive to create a drug Our, and who's going to, Yeah. I mean, is that, but, do you find that to be, I thought that was a really high number. I didn't think it, I thought that they would have access to many more, but well, I don't even, I don't even, you, I don't do you know, even know. That's a, that's an interesting one because I never felt that there was any shortage of getting any medication that we needed. Like, uh, Just, you know, yeah, again, again, the unique drugs. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But, but again, like, I think that like, um, uh, whether it's the brand name that you're talking about versus like, a, you know, yeah. a generic kind of uh, a generic version of it. But for the most part, I, there was, I, I don't know, during my training um, and during my residency and fellowship, I really 
don't recall there being a significant difference. Right. And the, I mean, but that might be true. Like, I, I don't know what's happened in the last like 10 years. So, yeah. you know, that's, <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything to that, but I think, yeah, maybe if there are some very, like some other designer drugs for a very specific indication, like very specific areas, perhaps that's true. Um, but for the most part, you can usually get things approved if it's, if, if you can argue for it, like sometimes you just have to make special requests and argue for it and okay. you can usually make it happen. Now the, and the other thing is like the, the pharmacy, like the, so the pharmaceutical companies, you know, like with, with all the different countries that they, you know, that, you know, they have, you know, deals with um, or provide medications for, they have, they have different deals. Like basically Americans just get charged overcharged here because there's no regulation on them here there's regulation in the other countries you know and so like they can't make that same level of profit right because that they it, yeah. it's not allowed and so the and so the pharmaceutical companies play ball right because they still want to be able to like obviously have business so that so so that's why it's cheaper like the same drugs are cheaper i i mean i mean i, I not that i've done this before like much i did this one time i had to get a particular dermatological like uh, a cream and here it was three hundred dollars that's exact same thing was eighty dollars mm -hmm. in canada so i'm like oh so i just you know just got in canada because i was like why yeah. am i paying why am i doing this here right and like it but it's there's just not that same regulation on the pharmaceutical companies here because so it's just regulation it's a lot of it's just regulation or is it or is it other things built into it like they, they claim it's innovation that's sort of they have to make up their uh cost for creating these drugs like you know they have to try to make up for it because nobody else is creating sure them. Their, their margins are pretty high though so i i don't, I don't know the, yeah so i mean they're they're making a lot of money there's no doubt about they're, they're, that they're, <laughs> so yeah so i'm just I, like it's is it greed or is it like that it really costs that much they're, seems like it is yeah because the mark because like their their yeah. profit margins are really large so i would kind yeah. of argue that maybe that's the case but maybe maybe there's some other factors i don't know do, do you think <laughs> that we should in america we should go to a medicare for all I don't know. So the, the, that comes down to a bit of a philosophical kind of uh, viewpoint, I guess. Like, I, I, I think it still really bothers me. There are people in this country that cannot get health care. You know, and uh, first, or we'll go bankrupt. Or we'll well, go bankrupt. everybody gets everybody gets health care. Yeah. yeah, no, no, they get it. Everybody okay, so, can fair, get it. Fair enough, you, but, they, but they, you just they just can't pay for it, and then they go bankrupt or whatever. Yeah, but they they will get health care. They just they they have to pay for it yeah somehow. and so Either out of pocket or go bankrupt or whatever or something exactly so, something and and yeah. so that to me is like that still doesn't sit well with me right and maybe it's just because again i grew up in a different system where like you know, yeah i know socialist right? I, guess you, I guess you could say it but like <laughs> at the same time like you just sort of at least felt that you could continue to be a productive member of society even if like something right. unfortunate happens to you because a lot of times there are accidents, right? Like, and, and it's through no fault of your own perhaps. Right. And yeah. you know, that, that, that's a different story. Like, so I'm, I kind of, I, I guess the way I would look at it, I, I would like sort of maybe a two tiered system where there was some baseline healthcare for people so that like, 
you know, their life's not over essentially, right? If they if, yeah. if something happens. Well, but yeah, you, you get cancer, you get in a car yeah, crash and your your life is over like, because you got like what? Yeah. How is yeah, that okay? Yeah, but you know? then but then if you you know, again, if you want like um, some higher level of care, or you want to be in a, you know, you want to get care from a particular yeah. place and maybe pay into it a little bit more. I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty rational. You I think know, Switzerland has a pro Switzerland's healthcare is like that. Yeah. yeah. Like I think they're, they're, they are private, but they, they will, their government will pick up the tab on people that can't afford it. Yeah. So, so I it think it seems that, like a good way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like, just and give I, options. And I, I was going to say, like, I had a, it kind of hit home for me at one point. Like, so I, you know, I was, uh, I was here a year and I was uh, switching to a different practice. So I was six weeks without medical insurance. Um, and I, uh, I uh, had, I got I had an ankle fracture after uh, a little rundown, a, a hill and big Sur, And it was funny. Like I saw my ankle, it was like, <laughs> like it, and, and I was looking at it and I started crying. And I'll tell you why I was crying. I wasn't crying because of the pain. I was crying because I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the window yeah. where I don't have healthcare. Like I'm yeah. going to have in six weeks, I'll have healthcare, but I'm in that window. I'm, and I'm a surgeon. So I know what this means. I'm going to, it's like ER visit, like OR visit, like surgeon's fees, anesthesia yeah. fees, like rehab. Oh, you God, know? Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm crying like, cause I'm like, I'm just like, and I was trying to figure out, so how am I going to get back to Canada to the one surgeon that I would want to operate? Like, I'm trying to figure out all these like things in my head yeah. at the time. And the good thing was, and, and this is where I lucked out and, but it always makes me feel for other people. I was running with a friend who was an orthopedic surgeon. So while I was kind of in my own little, he, he set my ankle right there. I made a makeshift swim. I didn't have to go to the ER that night. He had yeah. his own practice. So he, he took x-rays at his own practice, didn't charge me. The, I, the surgery center and the surgeon that I ended up, you know, part, partnering with, like they, they took care of the surgery. And then one of my friends who was also with us, that they yeah. was a medical device rep. She donated the, she donated all the, um, the, the plates and the, the, screws, hardware. the hardware. And so I yeah. ended up being well. lucky, but I just thought to myself, like, oh my God, I, this would have cost. So how do normal people do it? Like, and it, that's, you know, yeah, I would have just been in so much debt. Right. And, and I, and so, that's and what I've done also is like, sometimes I'll have patients in my practice come in and I've done this a handful of times throughout the years. I've waived my surgical fees for certain people when they've mm -hmm. had like a bad injury and you know, like, I'm like, okay, like you need to have fixed or your life's just going to be screwed up. I'll waive my fee. It's an hour or two of my time, but you're going to have to, obviously yeah. I can't do anything about the other fees that come into place, but it's just part of me. That's just sort of still like, I, it, 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 it would keep me up at night that there are people that, you know, mm. sometimes have to forego uh, well, it's care, happening. Right? It's so, happening all the time, every day. Yeah, everywhere yeah. in America. Yeah, and and it's been going on for a long, long time. We had uh, my uh, my son was born eight weeks early, and we got the bill after he was in the NICU for mm -hmm. fifty two days. Mm -hmm. It was uh, he didn't really have any. I mean, he just had apnea. He didn't have anything major. No procedures. Nothing. Fifty two days in the in the in the NICU was uh, one point eight million dollars. Oh my god, I know that's insane. Yeah, um, yeah. And I have a similar story about you know like I hurt my finger, I had an open dislocation on my finger from playing volleyball, and I, I was in between insurance as well. Yeah. And luckily, I was dating Erica at the time, who's <laughs> my orthopedic surgeon wife, <laughs> yeah. and she uh, 
she stitched me up yeah. like she she set it back yeah and, and you know did the whole thing in, in our backyard and you know i had to have a little whiskey for it yeah. but it, yeah <laughs> but she if i didn't have that it'd have been you know i don't know five ten thousand dollars to go do all that an er visit 100 percent. you know um it's uh you know like your ankle injury it could have been fifteen twenty thousand dollars probably no. that's Usually. just i mean the, at, at least um yeah. i just had a knee surgery i think it was like twenty thousand dollars or something yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know the deductible is high too but um yeah, it, it's it's crazy. I, it, I think I don't know. It seems like what Obama did was a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you, we're not taking away your private. Yeah, we're not taking away your private insurance. Yeah. You can still have your private insurance. Yeah, we're giving. We're trying to cover the uninsured. Right. Right. You know, it's going to cost a little bit more for everybody because we have to kind of make up for it. Um, but you know, in the long run, that's going to be the right thing. I mean, you want to get everybody insured yeah you want to be able to cover these expenses you don't want people ruined because they get cancer or they get in an accident their whole fi financial life is done yeah you know? i had 13 years ago i had uh diverticulitis and i had to have a, a sigmoidectomy mm. okay mm -hmm. so i originally was supposed to be in the hospital maybe two or three days and then go home mm -hmm. well i got pneumonia and I got a huge seroma and did it. So I wound up staying two weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. After that, I had, I started tearing hernias one after in. So I wound up with three hernia operations that year uh, after that. Wow. Okay. And I added up all the bill. We had insurance, thank God. It was $550,000. Jeez. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. 550. Yeah. yeah like, so, you know, if you don't have insurance, uh, that's on you to pay yeah. unless there's some sort of uh, negotiation or, or something, um, or you just can't, you just don't pay it. They write it off. It goes, you, you might, you know, they might uh, bankrupt you or whatever. Um, this happens. You know, all I, the time. when you look at it, if you scrutinize, if you've had a in uh, in-house procedure, okay. If you break down the bill, really, the physician's not that much. It's the hospital. Oh yes, that's where that's where you really and the medications while you're in the hospital. I mean, crazy. I cannot believe what they yeah. charge for that. So that's where you really get stung. That's that's why it's really great that you can if you can do something outpatient, do it outpatient. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. There's a lot of um, hospital costs and. Perhaps that's kind of where there needs to be a little bit more scrutiny in terms of like, you know, uh, where the healthcare dollars are going. Right. So, I, right. I, you know, it's just the expenditure is just a little bit insane to me sometimes. Right. That it, uh, like you understand, yeah. but you understand that it costs a significant amount to run a hospital. But when you sort of look at it, there's mm -hmm. probably a lot of redundant costs, too, that don't need to be there. Oh, right? yeah. In, you know? in Canada, in Canada, our. I mean, is it, are they making a profit in the healthcare? Uh, is there a profit being it's, made? It's, but it, that's not set up to be that, you know? Right, because so it's, it's the government is funding it all. The 70% that's public, right? Yeah. The 70% that's public, 
does it i mean and they do a budget and they probably come in plus or minus probably minus more than plus yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah every year because yeah. it is a it's, it's an annual budget yeah. and you have to stick within that budget and so that's that's what you you get yeah. you get whatever you budget yeah and that has to be approved by certain committees and everything so there's probably very little budget or very little profit at all in america yeah. profit is a key factor yeah. in in healthcare because it's that's the business because it's a business model here still right yeah. that's a, yes, it's a different exactly. philosophy like uh, compared to so right. it's hard to really compare the systems because the philosophy is also very different and stuff so right. you know um yeah right with medicare and, and va mm -hmm. it's probably a similar situation yeah. they probably do a budget mm -hmm. do they i don't know maybe they do maybe they don't but it's probably very similar mm -hmm. to what's going on in canada mm -hmm. for that 70 percent yeah um so if we were to go up to, let's say we go up to seventy percent here. Yeah. You had another. Uh, I don't know. I I think what Bernie Sanders was proposing is is a sing a true single payer system where nobody can have private no private option at all. Yeah, which well, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> it seems wrong. It seems too far. It's a bit far. We don't need it. We don't we don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, think you do. I I think I think there's a way to like. Um, insure everybody, but without having to get rid of private insurance. Well, you know, the cost of, uh, high cost of healthcare is anything but new. Mm -hmm. The first president to try to institute national healthcare mm -hmm. was Dwight Eisenhower in 1952. Okay. So, but it caused such an uproar. He finally said, oh, to hell with this. And well, look how long it. it took Canada to get it. For oh, 40 I, I years. know, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but this, this goes back years. I mean, in fact, most presidents, because it was such a hot topic, mm -hmm. most presidents wouldn't even talk about it. Right. They, you know. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, I mean, we're, I don't know the history of Canada very much, but we're definitely more capitalist than Canada. Yeah. So it is, it would be harder to uh to get and we have one tenth the pop we have t 10 times the population 100 yeah. percent. yeah that's yeah, and it's, oh, yeah. Um, that's a that's a that's a that just, is a, yeah that's a definitely a contributing factor and i mean canada is still part of the commonwealth like so if anything canada is like i always looked at it we're kind of in the middle of the u.s and i guess like sort of the british system but we're still more of a reflection of the british what about the system. french you guys are a lot of french too, a, we, we do have french but like that's almost almost like a yeah they're kind of over there <laughs> like, that's a different know, world but but i guess the but i guess the thing is um yeah it's not it's not a true capitalistic society it has elements of it right whereas Whereas the U.S. is, uh, you know, based on a capitalistic society. Well, you could argue that it's more crony capitalism than it is like true capitalism for the people, I would say. But like, uh, but, you know, the, yeah. the but the idea is, you know, that uh, the idea of capitalism is sort of paramount. Like, and it's like, I think mm, that's mm. bred into the American kind of ethos. Right. But like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different in Canada that way. These are my two my two big sticking points are, uh, with capitalism or health care and education yeah mm -hmm. those shouldn't be profit centers and can i yeah. ask something right. like this is what i did never have understood why people are so what well, i kind of understand but like i mean firefighters uh mm. police mm -hmm. like there you have elements of socialism in the u.s oh, yeah. but when it comes to like oh, education when it comes to like health care there is such a vehement like 
no, you know, and, and it's, but it's all like money, right? It's all profit. It's all based on like who, who actually, um, it, this affects more, I guess. And like, so the politicians, are they listening more to their lobbyists, to whoever? Well, like maybe the, po- the, money? the police. I don't know. Like, I just want to understand the, from like your yeah, the police and the firefighters are protecting the capitalist businesses. Yes. <laughs> whereas the the children and the uh, people that are sick yeah. aren't making anybody money immediately. Yeah. But then We're, wouldn't you want to invest in your own people? Like that, well, that's, that's what I don't, a, yeah. That's a, well, yeah. That would be the obvious thing, yeah. but, that's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> but that's like, it has to be an immediate yeah. Yeah. thing. Yeah. Like people want it now. How yeah. are you going to make money for me now? Yeah. No, and enough. police and firefighters protect your business now. Yeah. Whereas a kid, it takes, you know, that's 20 years <laughs> until you see any, any profits, any profits from that kid. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I saw today oh that the U.S. is in the lowest population growth it's been since the Great Depression. Right, yeah. People just aren't having kids because they can't, they oh, can't afford can't it. Afford I did hear the COVID boom. The, I heard yeah. there's a COVID baby boom. Yeah, though. COVID baby yeah, boom. It's starting to hit. But then you get into to kind of like, like Germany, for example, has negative population yeah. growth. Yeah. Because the taxes or tax system if you have, it's almost like you're punished with taxes if you have kids. So a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm not going to have any kids. Nine. No more kids. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I, I think, what, what's, our, uh, what's our summary here, Rosie? <laughs> the summary. Um, well, I think having worked in both systems, I would say that I think there are obviously pros and cons of each one, right? And, uh, like, I, I think from my perspective, it would be nice to have a system where you could get some baseline insurance for, you know, your, the general population, but then have that ability, you know, to have some uh, like a higher level supplemental insurance, right. That, um, so then you can, you know, have the, uh, uh, the healthcare that you want or the, the people you want to go see that there isn't a barrier to you if you can afford it. Like I, I, I don't, so I, I would just like somewhere, I guess, in the middle. Um, and yeah. and that's just coming from, you know, having been a patient in both uh, both systems, mm. but also practicing in both systems. Right. And uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's kind of what I would like to see uh, what actually happens. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we've taken up enough of your time today. So well, thanks for being on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, Rosie, for, having me, thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully uh, I brought something of value <laughs> today. Yeah, Rosie, it's uh, been nice meeting you. And thank yeah. you again for taking your time with us. Yeah, of course. Nice to meet you too, Tom. Okay. All right. All Have right. A good Take one. care. Okay. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. All right. So, um, Thank you, Rosie, for doing that. Yeah, I think we covered <clears throat> most of the things I wanted to cover. Uh, we didn't really get into the financial aspect as much as far as the, the raise in taxes of America. What, oh, what, yeah. You know, yeah. what we would be looking at. Um, I think the Bernie Sanders proposal was a 4% tax increase for everyone over 29000 annual income. So mm-hmm. plus a 7.5% payroll tax. Uh, 77% estate tax. Yeah, um, they've, uh, yes, they've so talked about that in capital gains. Capital gains. They're, they're, they're uh, uh, 
Biden is wanting to uh, increase capital gains tax. Yeah, hey, baby. So, yeah, I mean, it's it comes at a cost. And as we've sort of uh, described, we, you know, we're already pretty far along on the on the socialized, quote unquote, socialized medicine um, in this country. Um, yeah, we're, we're not that far away from what we need to be. No. We just need to get the cost down, yeah. number one. Cost down is num- is most important. Second important is getting everybody insured and getting that whole feeling that you're gonna go bankrupt. I'm not gonna go get care because I am afraid of going bankrupt. That needs to go away. Oh yeah. Those two things are probably the biggest in my mind. Mm-hmm. But number one is getting the cost down. It just, it just yeah. seems like it's, out of control. It, it's it? astronomical. Uh, it, 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 that needs to be scrutinized very closely. Yep. Well, uh, I think we've talked about our Canadian healthcare enough for today. Uh, Tom, what yep. else you got for me? Um, I think that's about it for today, John. That's it for today. Yep. All right. Well, I hope you learned, hope you learned something. Um, if you have any questions or concerns thoughts love hate send it to us at the john and tom show at gmail.com all right take care until next time bye-bye all right bye